This is Bragg, son of Balin, and you're listening to Light the Beacons, a Lotro podcast. Welcome to the world of Middle-earth. shall answer i'm on dean welcome back to light the beacons a lotro podcast focusing on the oh so familiar mmorpg lord of the rings online as well as related topics in books movies gaming and the lore of jerry tolkien this is episode 35 and i'm your host brag of the lonely mountain kindred to the rangers of athelion and dwarf of ill repute so where have i been these last few weeks i don't know what's going on how do you do this again my laptop has been on a slow boat from valinor it's uh, it's an HP, or Hobbit present, as I say. Um, hard drive failure on the last unit, and uh, I only left it with Grima to play Netflix for one night, so not really sure exactly what he did. Uh, but now I am back online. I've got a new keyboard, which is taking a little getting used to. Keep pressing the wrong buttons. Um, a new That'll happen after you've had the previous unit for almost five years. It's got a new operating system, which I hate, but was necessary in order to get a dual drive system with um, at least a 250 gig SSD involved, and a whole bunch of new hassles, configuring it, downloading it, and it is not exactly where I want, including my use of external microphone jacks and Audacity, which are choosing to be an issue. So the uh, audio quality of this episode is up in the air. It may suck. You may think it's great. I'd love to hear uh, how it looks. I think I may have to get an external microphone. Did I actually say how it looks? Well, you viewers will be able to tell me that. Um, Hopefully you're still with us after all these years. Gosh, yeah. Um, Interested in seeing how this sounds compared to previous versions that we've had So um, of the podcast. Uh, But I also got a pretty new screen and a nifty new graphics card sporting an NVIDIA GeForce GTX 850M. Is that any good? I've got no idea. I don't know, but it costs more money, that's for sure. And one has to think it's better than the unit I put in several years back for my last gaming rig. So the game is looking pretty nice once I finally got it running again. Um, the break in general might have come at a good time. I had a trip in there, some work stuff, some other stuff, you know, boring stuff. And dwarfs are built for a life of excitement. We dig holes in the ground just to see what might pop up. So, uh, after a little forced mid-year break, we're back, uh, to the show. Almost had to skip this week too, but, uh, on the road next week. So kind of now or never. And after this show, you might wish for never. Yes, I have a whole new level of unpreparedness and winging it going on. Uh, couldn't deal with Grimer this week, so I put him on assignment, uh, dredging the Rush Gore Swamp. And uh, I'm broadcasting live from... Where am I broadcasting live from? You know what? I didn't even pick a selection, so what I did is I ported to my house. I'm standing in front of the League Sinister Keg. I am now using the In League Sinister Keg. 
and I'm going to run out and let me see. Uh, I'm going to run into the main room. I appear to have muddled my wits. I'm going to see if I can grab General Tulug's armor display and put that on before I disappear. Yes! Now I have General Tulug's armor running around my map table. Let's see if I can throw up on my fungal mushroom really quick before I leave. Uh, nope, I'm on the ground. Oop, I stood up again and I fell over. I didn't port anywhere. Oh, there I go. Didn't get my fungal mushroom in, but lucky lotto, where am I going to be? Where am I going to be? Oh, okay. The Dead Man's Perch in Breland. It's looking rather brown. My guy's making some funny noises. Something like... Yeah, I've ported here before. And, of course, uh, where's my pants? So, does it remove General Tulug's pants? I think so. Kind of hard to tell with the graphics the way it is. Anyway, I'm now looking out over the brief fields through uh, some jagged rocks that kind of look like teeth from down below and I can see some low stone walls I can see some ditches in the distance and just the brown wavy rooftops through my stupor of a couple homes in Brie as the screen uh, kind of wanders back and forth there's not too much color palette I can describe to you right now uh, but hopefully no one sees me up here and mistakes me for a Yurikai general uh, that has escaped from uh, from the bowels of, uh, of Moria. And uh, that's quite enough uh, description, I think, for our first uh, LTB MEW HQ Lotto Sinister Keg uh, try. With that, let's move on to our second beacon. Going to continue to just mumble my way through here. Let me see. Well, first it's time for CRAP. Corrections, retractions, and apologies from last week. So last episode we offended Howard Mumak Pedicurists, Kate Piaz, Grima, Bingo Boffin, Gold Spammers, and Blackpool Party Cleaners. Uh, when we had the lake drained, scrubbed, and sterilized, Apparently, they found a baby Ruth at the bottom that was causing the majority of the discoloration in the lake. Well, it's no big deal. So, to all of you, I issue a solemn and very heartfelt sorry. Uh, viewer comments. MBI 2015 is wrapped up since I logged off last. The awards came out. The roundups were published. I can say unequivocally by leaps and bounds. I was absolutely the best new podcaster in MBI 2015. Now, it has been pointed out to me by the haters out there, haters gotta hate, that I was the only new podcaster in MBI 2015, but I really think that's just quibbling. I had fun. I found some great new blogs, expanded my community with some very generous folks who promoted my site. And to all of you, I'd like to say I know half of you half as well as I should like, and I like half of you half as well as you deserve. And I issue a solemn and very heartfelt sorry, uh, I mean thank you, to all that were involved. Looking forward to coming back as perhaps a vendor next year and helping others who might join as well. Um, did have a write-in from Tommy Ork, friend of the show, uh, from a past episode, saying, Solo new instances, question mark, challenge. 
accepted. So he was able to solo the two three-mans uh, from Asgiliath and Tier 1 just fine. Uh, got some good rewards, but they were for Loremaster Grumble, as I remember his main uh, might be a Warden, so that wouldn't be very helpful. Uh, it got him to thinking, so we're supposed to need Essence Gear from DA to complete Tier 2, so that you'll be rewarded, after running the instances many, many times, with better or different Essence Gear. So you can kind of interpret that as grinding, so I can go grind to get more grind. Is, the, is he missing anything here? Nope, you've pretty much got it. That's uh, the nature of an MMO. You nailed it. Okay, from a community spotlight perspective. Lotro Player's 100th episode came out this past week. It was four plus hours of goodness and reminiscing. I was sorry I missed it. Um, I was asked to guest host on the show. But the Blackhawks of the Shywood Forest were locked in a mortal struggle with the mighty, mighty ducks of Dahl Anaheim uh, in the seventh game to try to win Lord Stangard's Cup. And there was quite a festival to attend that evening with the folks in my kin, and so I was not able to make it. However, in the last few weeks, I did make an appearance on Braxwolf's Beyond Boss Fights podcast. Uh, I don't imagine there's too many of you out there who listen to me who don't have a subscription to his podcast, but please go listen to it. It is uh, superior in every way, especially as guests. Um, so, extra special thanks to Brax for having me on to talk about LTB and other topics. Man, that guy is easy to talk to. You would never know he had an entourage. He's, uh, he's never actually present during our conversation, but I hear his, um, his sound editor edited, me in, edited him in very well in between the script they handed me to talk to. Uh, plus, his little Brax absolutely stole the show. He was hilarious in the opener. As W.C. Fields used to say, never uh, be in a movie with kids, animals, and I guess baby hobbits. Outside the game, there was an announcement that uh, the extended Battle of the Five Armies edition on Blu-ray was announced for premiere on November 4th. That will absolutely be the last, uh, <laughs> the last dollars I'm going to sink into, into that franchise for quite some time. Um, held off and didn't buy the standard edition this time out, so I am looking forward to some of the edited footage to see if uh, it gives some breaks to the action here and there and adds a little more backstory, which is always welcome for the lore purists or even those um, who embellish the lore. And next, uh, some of you may be aware it was Father's Day this past weekend. And a few of my uh, little dwarf buddies, uh, baby dwarves, got together with uh, Mama Dwarf and her beard and uh, bought me a very interesting gift, one that I think uh, may keep on giving. It is a new book that's just been published recently called The Fellowship, The Literary Lives of, Literary Lives of the Inklings, J.R. Tolkien, C.S. Lewis, Owen Barfield, and Charles William. Uh, all those that play in the game, or most of those that play in the game, may very well know that those uh, those four legendary figures are represented uh, via Hobbit figures in the Bird and Baby Inn uh, in Mickle Delving, which is uh, a takeoff from the original bar where the, the the real gentleman used to meet called the Eagle and Child, and um, this looks to be a, a pretty extensive uh, literary biography. Uh, the first one published in about these gentlemen, I think it mentioned somewhere in here, and you know, serious treatment that's been done in the last 30 or 50 years. 
you know, certainly the you know the resurgence of popularity of Tolkien even even more so with uh, the onset of the movies and all the additional elements that have come out in previous years, um, you know, have reignited additional detail and examination. And there's 500 pages of hardcover goodness here, and including another 150 pages of notes and bibliographies. So it looks like a very scholarly work. I have a few books on tap before I get to this one in my stack on my night table, but I do intend to read it hopefully by end of year. And when I do start it, I hope to uh, have a short segment on the podcast talking about some of the things I've learned and uh, letting you know uh, if I recommend it to others. So that is The Fellowship, The Literary Lies of the Inklings. And... Um, Let's talk about our agenda. So in this week's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about what we've been doing in game these past few months while I've been on hiatus. Uh, we'll talk uh, a glance, take a glance at the update in 16.1 release notes uh, to do some highlights. We'll have a Lotro quest highlight that explores dreams in Dunland. And if there is any time remaining, we will dial some prank calls to Denethor on his Palantir. With that, let's move on to our third beacon. Nardal. This week in gaming and other Tokyan news. So, other games. You would think that with my PC in the dumps, I would have done some console gaming, but I really didn't. Um, due to some of the other distractions that I named earlier, I did uh, upgrade my town hall in Clash of Clans to level 9. Uh, there are a total of 11 to, uh, 10 town hall model levels that have been published in the game to date. The 10th one is the one with the lava flowing down the wall. That's the one that one everybody really wants. Um, but with no gemming, i.e. no in-game purchases in Clash of Clans, which is my policy, this takes a while. I've probably been working uh, on level 8 and building up my walls, which are super expensive, uh, for 6 plus months easy. I can't exactly recall. So uh, I go in waves with this game. I play it a bunch, and then I'll touch it for weeks, and then I go back and I play it a bunch. I think it is very well designed, and they're introducing name, new game elements here and there. It is one of the more engaging uh, player versus player simulations I've seen for the iPad or phone. Um, the phone is tough to manage with the, how the size of the screen. I, I do really like it much better on the iPad is where it really shines. But it is well balanced. It can be fun. And uh, with my town hall leveling up, I'll have a, a bunch of new uh, shopping and upgrading options that should keep me busy in the months to come. Uh, Lotro Gaming has been relegated to, for the most part, to a backup desktop unit, uh, which is an iMac for me, for much of the last month. The iMac client, I think, is definitely more stable than it used to be in my estimation, but it's still not quite the same. Um, the iMac has a nice monitor, of course, so the graphics are great. But the controls feel very, very different, which impacts me playing a little bit, as well as um, the overall availability of that desktop, since it is a shared unit in our dwarven home. Uh, it's, uh, it is used for dwarven homework and uh, dwarven recipes and dwarven Netflix and all other dwarven activities. So um, it certainly cuts down on my exclusive gaming time. Um, but I did manage to do um, a decent amount on it over the last few weeks, given the lag that I've had, Bragg's lag. Um, so Bragg has finished uh, basically all the quest lines in Asgiliath that I'm, that I'm aware of at this point. He, it is necessary, even if you finish all the Asgiliath quests, 
to go back and do dailies under the sewers in, in the culverts um, for maybe a week or two, I think, to, to be required to get kindred rep. So, uh, you know, I think there's other things that you can do, obviously, like uh, roving threats and so forth. And I didn't do a heck of a lot of those, so there are some other options. But I believe after I'd finished all the quests in there um, that I had to do the sewer dailies for maybe a maybe week and a half, two weeks, somewhere in there to get to Kindred. And uh, I followed the Ashes of Esgiliath quest line uh, to do the Sunken Labyrinth, the three-man instance on Tier 1. I was able to solo that instance all the way to the first boss, uh, to the to the boss, um, the end boss in that instance. Before you know, I got killed once, and I could have tried it again. I think you know it was pretty close. I might have been able to take him down, but I just called for help, and other people chipped in. That made it a little easier. So the sunken labyrinth, uh, I, I like the level puzzles in there. I think those will be pretty easy once people get used to how they work. Um, you do have to watch out, especially when you're so well, probably more so in a group actually. That there's a there's a troll fight where the troll fears the tank and makes the tank run away. You have to be careful um, where you're fighting him so that fear doesn't drive you into other groups um, as you're as you're moving your way through the instance. That can be kind of dangerous, um, and it's not. I don't think it's a fear that's dispellable either. Uh, I was stomped once by a troll mob that hit twice for 10k plus. I think it was a ceiling cave-in skill, um, so that's something to watch out for. Uh, I, I have to check a little more closely next time to see if there's an induction or warning around that, but they do hit pretty hard even on Tier 1. Um, and uh, the rewards were crappy for the instance, but I advanced the storyline, which was good. And I believe it's at the end of tier, the Sunken Labyrinth Tier 1 where you get the class trait point that's available in Eastern Gondor, which uh, should be of interest to most folks. Uh, the, I did the Ruined City on Tier 1 as well, and I got through the majority of that instance. Uh, well, actually, I think I, I just started it and cleared trash all the way up to the first boss and um, had a few other folks that joined me. Um, the boss fights in here I found to be a little tougher. Uh, I don't remember much more about the instance at this point. We got through it just fine. I think uh, our DPS died once or twice. Uh, I was tanking in red line mode just for kicks because I didn't really feel like I needed to be in yellow line uh, to tank it. And uh, so I, I didn't have all my aggro skills. And once or twice, I think a hunter with us died. But I was fine through the whole thing. Um, the, uh, the individuals with me had tried the instance on tier 2 with kinmates, and they were worried about me being able to tank the last boss, given that my tank at that point only had, I think, uh, 24k morale. There's lots of guards walking around with close to 30k at this point. So I'm still being judged a little bit for having a low morale um, and focusing some of my points on resistance, resistances and mitigations instead. But I did fine in that boss fight. There was maybe one moment where I was um, you know, in danger and had to blow some CDs. Uh, but the rest was pretty pretty routine. And I did work on my build a little bit. I think I got my uh, I think I got my morale up in the 25.5 to 26k range, which is a, a little safer. Um, you know, in tier two I could see how it might be a problem and why you might want more. But again, it's it depends on your playstyle. If you prefer mitigations and resistances then you can get by with a little less morale. So um, rewards were also kind of anticlimactic for the ruined city, but I did get a nice helmet, uh, cosmetic helmet for my outfit. Um, 
the stats were maybe no better than the Dolomreth gear that I had, which had set bonuses. Uh, but uh, it was a nice cosmetic, so I, I popped that on one of my outfits I was currently wearing, and it matched really nicely. Uh, there's a new icon for some of the cosmetic gear in Eastern Gondor. It's kind of like a dark black background. Looks kind of cool, um, but it makes me wonder if they've kind of dodged the the gold, teal, and uh, you know purple um, color scheme for some of these items. So I'll see as I get more gear how that lines up. So obviously I got through the epic line in Eastern Gondor, and uh, I think even LPN was giving spoilers on this already. So I'll say spoiler alert, but I have to say that um, the final the final chapter in the new epic book, um, where you are sent to sabotage Grand as it's moving through um, moving through the city, was pretty epic. Um, Grand was well done. It was exciting. The instance had, I think, Mumukil in the background were cool to begin with. You see, you see Grand's reveal. You damage Grand to feel like you're having an impact, and then Gothmog comes out, and Gothmog's revealed to be a character that we've met in the past that lends a little bit uh, more understanding about what's going on with Goladir's story. I found to be good stuff. So finally, a quest that introduced a critical plot point. Uh, instead of just kind of leading me across the landscape and uh, having me help out some of the some of the uh, you know some of the the town leaders and so forth, um, that was very exciting. Uh, I enjoyed seeing that. It's nice to see a familiar evil face, and uh, looking forward to kicking his butt again. Might have to go back to Karn Doom and uh, just uh, solo Karn Doom instance again, just for fun, just to remind myself and knock him off. Uh, but uh, hopefully, there's instances, skirmishes, epic battles, whatever there are to come that will allow us to finally clash with Mr. Gothmog. Um, I believe, from what I can remember in the books, that his specific ending is not referenced, which leaves Turbine wide open uh, to allow us to do some of our things. So that's exciting. Uh, at the end of the quest chain, I believe you got a three essence bracelet slot uh, item, which is marginally better than the one I had um, so I, I, I did use it it was you know barely worth using if you have uh, good supreme essences um, obviously you need Morgul crests if you're gonna get the four essence or five essence slotted gear and those five essence slotted gears don't have a passive bonus as well so it's a little underwhelming how much better they are than the stuff we have now um, I could see doing maybe maybe on one character I'll do it and uh, beyond that we'll see I might be more likely to go back and grind some of the Dalamroth quests for my alts uh, who didn't finish off all the essence and or, um, and or gear that's available um, with set bonuses from DA uh, just because I got tired of running those Dalamroth instances and I, I couldn't see trying to get rep in all those areas for you know more than one or two characters. But now with the changes in release 16.1, that's much more viable. So I could see going back and doing that, and I'll touch on that a little later in the podcast. Uh, Bragg did search out the Dome of Stars and Gilius. That's a nice environment. I'm looking forward to the six-man there now that I'm back online, giving that a shot. If you go outside to the balcony, which is one of the um, last areas to find for the Explorer Deed, I did find you can leap across to the shoulder of the giant statue that's next to the balcony there and get a nice screenshot of the city from there. 
Um, I did try to jump on his head for another screenshot, and I fell straight through to the ground. So that was a little bummer. <laughs> but you can land on his shoulder. I did prove that. In general, I find the Ascalia landscape fun, different to navigate. Um, there's nothing quite like it in the game. And I think it should make for fun and different PvP. Hopefully, they're able to test it to the point where it's not ripe for uh, exploits, where people set them up in areas where they can attack with impunity without being able to be reached easily. Uh, that's the only thing I'm a little bit concerned about. Bragg also did run an Heligrod Spiderwing at one point in the last couple weeks. And uh, I still ran into a problem that I remember having previously there where if you get the side quest for Venomous Brood, which is the last one I think I need in that whole instance cluster to finish off um, the Spiderwing, all the deeds in the Spiderwing, um, you run up uh, four spiders short of being able to finish. And if you run back at the end and try to find all the holes, they're all empty. So uh, I'm not sure if that's still bugged or if we missed one on the way in and after you kill the boss, you can't go back to find him. But I know I've done this before, so I think it's an issue that they need to take a look at. Um, we did take down challenge mode for the boss in the spider wing with a pug, which is always nice. You have to pay attention to there a little bit to make sure that you... Uh, kill all the spiders before you um, attack the sorcerers that come in at the end. Um, I think you actually have to kill the boss before you kill the four sorcerers that come at the end, which makes it a little tougher. Uh, so we did get uh, challenge mode on that, which was nice. Um, I ran a survival of the Baradone skirmish and got just over 10 minutes with my guard. Not sure if 15 minutes is doable solo, at least for my guard. I'm sure there's others out there that may have done it with Wardens or other, but uh, that would be a good challenge. So it'll be a good barometer. Whenever I go back and I make good advances with my character, like imbuing my weapon, I like to go in and see what I would do in the Barrow Down Skirm. It's kind of a, a little, little bit of a barometer on how much I've improved my character. Aside from that, I ran out and did some Spring Festival stuff, uh, a few horse races, a few maze runs, and then I traded Badges of Taste for the rest of the leaves I needed for the horse. <laughs> uh, I think I've got enough Badges of Taste left over from my original uh, in-league and ale uh, association quest lines to maybe do that three or four more times. So I like to run quests a little bit, supplement my stack, so I'm not uh, digging into those too deeply depending on the festival that's on. And uh, in an outsourcing approach, I uh, sent one of my little hobbits out to do the flowers quest for me and Bree and paid him, <laughs> paid him, I think, allowance <laughs> to go collect flowers for me. So um, if it's a boring quest and you don't like to do it, you can always find some slave labor. Um, but I did forget that it doesn't pay any leaves, though. So when you trade them in, I think you can either get the Steed of the Jester, if you're really lucky, which is what you're looking for, or some flower pot recipes and junk. So... It's random, so maybe you can get leaves for it, but I, I think I traded in like three or four sets and got like two recipes or something pretty useless. Um, maybe some flower petals to throw at people or something like that. So that's not worth grinding if you're looking for uh, Spring Festival leaves. Uh, the other two that's been active is my Bjorning. He's now level 75 as of this morning. He completed the Explorer Deed in Dunland, including the Pit of Iron. It was nice to return to that environment. It looked very pretty. I hadn't been there in a while, and as I'm looking out over the cave, I noticed the plumes of fire arising from the chimneys from the ground. And I can't remember if those were there before. Uh, I didn't recall them. So I'm wondering if they were added later, or my new graphics card is just showing them better, or what the case is. 
Um, I did the epic quest around the uh, around the Fords of Ison and Grimbold's camp. More on that later. And uh, I have to say, I forget how imaginative and varied some of the quests are in Dunland. They do a good job. There's uh, mobs that drop notes. There's objects you can find on the ground. Things like leading you to the Houndmaster or to the top of the Hill and Dole Baran, where there are a number of kind of uh, you know squirmish, almost like open instance type uh, fights that can go on to finish quests. Uh, the Pit of Iron actually is you know has a storyline all of and to itself while you're finishing off the quests in there. You know the Mines in Kreglin has some interesting quests in it that are a little different. You know, there's all kinds of remote questing that's involved now. It's experimental stuff. There's variation. There's multiple hubs. Uh, hubs. There's, uh, you know, uh, wandering quest givers. You know, you have options whether to explore an area or just follow the epic to the next destination. Uh, there's themes that follow across the whole area in terms of what's going on in uh, Isengard. So I really think they did a, a good job there, more, better than they've done in some of the other areas I've seen recently. At that point, I had to decide between, you know, being level 74, 75, I had to decide between um, fully, you know, outside the Explorer Deed, emptying quests in the Pit of Iron, or moving on to the Great River. And decided to move on to the Great River. It's nice to have options, but both of those were tempting to me. I like both areas. So I'd done all the Great River Epics quests at this point and Explorer Deeds. It's really a great one-off zone. I have to admit, the Great River and Edwaitham Wildemar are all solid one-off zones. They do a great job with those in-between expansion content additions, uh, sometimes even better than some of the expansion content themselves. Um, you know, there's great landscape. All three of those areas have great landscapes and, you know, had some awards worth, uh, you know, some rewards worth earning and so forth. But, uh, you know, I'm pretty much finding, aside from a couple side quests, doing the epic and explore deeds through there has gotten me through the leveling area, really. So I'm 75, I'm ready for uh, Eastern Rohan and my worst deed. So pretty soon we'll have a bear riding a horse, and uh, I'm sure I'll have a segment on that at some point coming up soon, where, uh, where I give my review of what I've heard the combat uh, for the Bjorning is like in the ward steed, which is supposed to be terrible. But anyway... What else has been going on? Um, I have done a little bit of work on my Cappy in Eastern Gondor. I imbued my main weapon with him, my Halberd. Um, the decision became easy when I looked at you know, all the legacies I'd lost that were automatically replaced. Most of the ones I would have wanted to preserve got replaced anyway and changed into the class, you know, supplemented in the class trait tree. Things like uh, two arms duration, um, tactics, uh, durations, uh, um, you know, extension of uh, Shield of the Dunedain, timing, um, pressing, you know, pressing at attack, max targets, things like that. They're all gone. It's mostly damage, damage, damage. So at that point, you might as well imbue your weapon and get more damage than you could before. And with the second weapon going through imbuement, um, all my IXP runes are now officially gone. Yes, I have some other LIs that I could... Uh, that I could uh, decombine and, and uh, produce some more, but uh, you know I like to max them out before I do that, typically, unless I really need one. So, so all my XP runes that were laid by basically consumed to get two um, class weapons or two legendary weapons, uh, basically to the end of their uh, imbuement chains and fully leveled up, except for 
the ability to um, you know add additional like levels 30 to 35 through Amphalas Scrolls of Empowerment, which are very expensive, so I don't see doing that anytime shortly. Um, I have applied a couple that I've gotten through questing and that I had laid by in the bank just for some of the legacies that uh, are a little more important to me. So, um, my Cappy is going through the epic. How much side quests I'll do is kind of undecided by rent right now, but I'll likely at least go for the class trait point in the area. And uh, my Cappy is from Gondor. He's in his hometown. His backstory is that he was kind of uh, disgraced and uh, fled his sire, Denethor's command. So uh, right now he's traveling incognito. He's got a helmet uh, over his face so that he can't be recognized. Um, but uh, looking forward to uh, penetrating Minas Tirith and reuniting with some of his kinsmen should be, from a role-playing perspective at least, should be interesting for me. Uh, aside from that, most of my guys have been basically complacent, so let's move on to our next beacon. Okay, so let's take a look at 16.1 release notes. I'm going to go through some of the highlights, not going to drain these, but uh, some areas that, you know, I forget. I read them through once and I forget some of the things right away, so a little reinforcement never hurts anybody. First of all, obviously, the ability to use multiple rep, rep items at once through all right-click on the stack um, and uh, can also be used on reputation acceleration tombs. This has been asked forever. Which I think uh, is going to leave the longest standing request to uh, the ability to uh, combine all relics on a, uh, a relic master. Maybe the number one going forward. Um, they did do some additions to the radar map to make it animate more smoothly while moving. Uh, but unfortunately I have seen some calls in game of folks that are uh, experiencing some issues with it. And have to either press F12 or relog to get it to work correctly. So this fix may have uh, created some issues which are still uh, going through some changes. They did fix the one-shotters and the moors, so it should no longer attack their creep allies. That was a very annoying exploit I've heard others mention. And in the Spring Festival, they changed it so that shrew pets can now be obtained from the Festival Barter Vendor if you have enough leaves. So instead of random chance for the Tomb of the Shrew, um, I, although I did go out and when I picked flowers or had my underling pick flowers for me, um, I did. Uh, I was able to get a Tomb of the Shrew, which I sent to one of my alts. But uh, you can also now have a little more assurance about getting those through the Festival Barter Vendor as well. Um, in the Great River, since I was just in the Great River and Stangard Exploration, it used to be that the abandoned house can only be reached at Kindred level, which would complete the Explorer deed. And they've made it so now you can reach it with Ally, which is nice because obviously not being too busy a zone anymore. There's not too many people draining it anymore. Uh, tougher to get Kindred there without working through Limelight Gorge and all those other things. So nice to make that a little easier so people can finish off that exploration deed. Good move. Uh, new fairground stage in the Brief Festival area. That's exciting. And the Stable Master, which is great. That, I think, should bring a lot more people to that area much more regularly. Um, I could see running up there to run the, um, you know, the races there much more frequently given the Stable Master that's available. So that's a long time coming. Now they just need one at the, uh, what do you call them, the, um, the Ox Clan Merchant Camp in Isengard. And then we'll be all set. <laughs> the last remaining area. And I also saw that they added a Stable Master to Eorelin's camp out in the Rift. 
So I kind of, you know, a little nostalgic, you know, running through the gate of Udun, I think it's called, outside of uh, Barrett Golder there, um, was always fun to try to survive that, especially on level. Uh, so I guess you still have to do it if you want to map the Stable Master. So, and given the fact that that content is 50 levels old, I suppose it's a bit overdue. So, nice to have a Stable Master there so you can either collect or return quests after running the Rift a little more easily. Well done. Uh, the Dole Amroth training exercises. Now when you accept a quest from an NPC during the training uh, exercise, that NPC will now bestow all six quests in instead of two at random. So now that this area has been there for a while and the grind is not quite as important, they're enabling you to get a full reputation in those areas much more quickly to achieve the DA gear. This is great. You know, uh, obviously I avoided it, which I was talking about earlier with all my alts because it was way too grindy to do with four, five, six alts. But uh, nice of them to go back and recognize that that uh, you know that's not current content anymore. Uh, people want to finish it, make it a little easier, a little less frustrating. Um, so you know maybe better late than never would be the best comment related to that. Um, in Eastern Gondor, they fixed a couple quests where some rangers were disappearing if you did things out of order. I'd heard people mention that one before. Um, there is now a healer among the culverts of Asgiliath, so you can sell off junk without having to go back to Faramir's lookout and repair your equipment. So that was nice. That was a bit of an oversight in the first iteration. Uh, there's also a campfire there, so hunters can be handy in porting you. Um, in central Gondor, they made it easier to obtain reputation for all the different faction areas. Ringle Vale, Dor Aranil, and Lower Labinan. So you get... Uh, more reputation for the bounty quests, and uh, you can um, all the repeatable quests uh, do more reputation now. So again, making it people at least easier to get those class trade points um, that you can only get when you get to Kindred in each of those areas. So that was a good move as well. Um, the quest where you're chasing Vanilos around, the sister of Denethor, around a hill where she runs aimlessly and you can't really figure out when you're done and the orcs don't appear fast enough and you're wondering if you're stuck and so forth. If you waited out, you could you could get there eventually, but uh, hopefully they've heard the feedback and they're tuning that so it's a little more straightforward. And lastly, in the Limlight Gorge, Limlight Landscape Monsters now drop Limlight Rep um, much more frequently. And the daily repeatables can be reset. So same theme here in terms of allowing people to, to completionists to finish those things much more easily. So what else? Uh, they moved the deeds for the Ashes of Asgiliath instance cluster into a, new instance, into a new tab in the instance panel in the deed log, which is nice. They increased the Morgul Crest drop by 50%. And uh, I think this is well needed based on the feedback that I've seen. That's really nice. Um, some of the deeds for Ruined City were not bestowing and completing correctly, those there. And there was a chest for a boss in that instance. Jukator had no chest. <coughs> Luckily, he's a guy. So um, there's now a chest for defeating Jukator in the instance, which is always nice. Always nice to have uh, actual loot after a boss fight. Um, they've made various changes to some of the other instances. It looks to make them a little bit easier in some areas. And it also looks like they uh, fixed Darknack Unleashed, which for a long time his pound attack was 
was crushing people. So that instance hasn't been run in a long time. So that's nice too. Um, I see uh, multiple areas where they're continuing to add in Bjorning loot options. Uh, Sari Surma in uh, you know, the last homely house for level 50. Um, additional areas, they've done some adjustments in uh, mark and medallion rewards to make those a little more even. So they've increased them across the, the way, but they've increased them a little less. In some of the instances that people were running ad nauseum, such as Sambrog, School, Library at Thammerdain, Yobar's Peak, Ostalindel, and Stone Heights. So um, that should hopefully even out the execution of those a little bit more and give people more variety. Again, good. Um, so there's various class changes that were through here. You know, certain buffs that weren't triggering correctly or weren't interacting with class traits correctly, uh, which is nice. Um, you know, I have to admit, you know, with an endless combination of things, it's really tough for them to test all those eventualities. Uh, you know, I think they probably need to do a little bit more than they do, but it's good they're still going through, and whether it's player input or what, uh, they're getting some of these things corrected finally. Um, let me see what else. Bjornings now have uh, guild-crafted mounted class bridal insignias, which they didn't have before, and also options for a lot of multi-output tailor recipes, so continuing to fill those in, which is great. And... They're continuing to tune imbuement, number of options there uh, to uh, make imbuement a bit more straightforward. More class changes um, and a number of changes to the music system, adjusting the different volumes that are there. And um, also um, making some of the notes less metallic and fine-tuning some of the buzz out of some of the instruments. I also saw they brought back some of the old harp sounds, made Glowine's harp the you know a classic harp sound, so that option's still available. And so that's all goodness. Looked like a pretty good update overall. Some nice uh, uh, quality of life improvements as well as some, some further balancing in some areas that needed it and some... Um, let's say, uh, streamlining of old content to make it easier for you to go back and do. So I think that covers 16.1 release notes, probably more than we needed. So let's move on to our fifth beacon. That would be Min Rimon. Now a word from our sponsors. Doing a podcast week in, week out is hard. How do you keep it fresh with new ideas time and time again? From the Elrond twins, Elidan and Elro here comes Copycat Productions. Copycat Productions are professionals at duplicating ideas and will help you plagiarize your way to new podcast segments. Don't worry if it's been done before, as long as you do it more creatively and with gusto. Besides, if you have a bigger audience, pretty soon no one will even realize that you did not do it first to begin with. Remember, Eladan and Ulra here from Copycat Productions are ready to help you plagiarize your way to a better podcast. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. No harm, no foul. Say no more. And I'm pretty sure they don't even listen to me anyway, except for maybe Terry. Eh, <laughs> I ah, don't even know what I'm talking about anyway. It's all in good fun, right? I hope so. Uh, let's move on to our sixth beacon, Kalanhad. So this week we have a Lotro Quest highlight. We're going to be talking about Book 6, Chapter 1, Troubled Dreams. So returning to Grimbold's camp after the Battle of the Fords, 
He encourages you to lay down and rest, and you find a nice bedroll at the bottom of his camp where you can lay in and finally catch up on some well-deserved sleep after cleaning up all of Dunland with a, with a toothbrush. So, um, as you sleep, you dream. And I have to say, there's some amazing visual effects. Um, the first time I went through this team's dream sequence, I was extremely impressed. It's a great segue to the new area of the Great River. Uh, visually, the dream sparkles, it shimmers, and there are some eerily effective music in the background with occasional sinister whisperings. Are those elven whispers? I have to imagine that might be Galadriel tickling your dreams. Reminds me of the uh, one of my favorite sound effects in game, the heavy breathing in Angmar, when occasionally you hear them going, <sighs> Yeah, a little scary. Um, I also like one thing I noticed this time around. I don't know if this is a new graphics card or not, but uh, as you as you see more flack appear in your dream one more time, uh, you may recall that at the Battle of the Fords, he was run down by Elfhelm, who thrust his spear through his body. And as you encounter more flack outside of Grimbold's camp, you can see the spear clearly piercing him straight through the chest. And I never noticed this before. Maybe it's the graphic settings, but there is blood dripping, dripping from the end of the spear and, and the wound that pierced him by Elfhelm and falling to the ground. And it's just cool. That is sweet. Um, from there, we're taken to the shores of Lake Evendim, where we where we review some of the uh, some of the rangers that we've left recently, um, left behind recently. First of all, there's uh, Goladir, and there's uh, further exposition of his developing madness, perhaps beneath the surface for now, where he mistakes uh, his enemy for Mordrith when instead it should be Lou Brennan. Um, some good foreshadowing here looking, you know, I can see that uh, Turbine was looking well ahead in the story, I think, when they were looking at these moments. Uh, there's then an example of Lothrander's torment and resistance at the bottom of Orthanc Tower, and I can imagine our characters might quite feel quite a bit of angst having to leave him behind to that fate at the hands of Saruman and Gun Ain. And uh, Saruman strikes the ground with fury and the, the ground shakes, also with a nice effect. Uh, the next is Kalinglad's test. Um, Kalinglad appears, and uh, his regret over leaving the blue, or his grief over leaving the blue lady Gwyndeth behind, is shown. And Kalinglad wanders out into the water to pursue her as she stands on the surface. And as he drowns, Gwyndeth starts to cry, and the waterfalls cascade down behind her figure into the lake. Remember, she is the lake, so the fact that her tears manifest themselves as the waterfalls that appear behind her is a nice touch. Really like that. Um, you also, at that point, uh, after reviewing some of your ranger friends and their foibles, uh, get to witness the, the fellowship on the riverbank uh, just as they're leaving Lothlorien, warding off the Nazgul, which really sets up the story of the Great River region well. Uh, lastly, as you uh, sit in the, in the rushes, the sword of Rohan, a giant sword of Rohan, returns above you. And uh, as it appears and, and flickers in, color returns to the world. And that could foreshadow a couple things. I mean, uh, the first thing that struck me was maybe it presages Theoden's return from madness, because I believe it's a Rohirrim sword. Or maybe it's the sword of Wadu um, that uh, will play a part in the fate of Nona as it's coming. So 
um, you know, obviously being struck down by the Nazgul's cold blade um, that's set up in that dream as well. And ending with Galadriel's call, which brings you to that region or gives you an excuse to go to that region. I know a lot of people complained that we were going back around, but given the storyline, I really think it was a smart choice by Turnbine and probably the best way that they could manage it at this point. So dream sequence was great. I woke up primed with story with a lot of portent and ready for the new region. Basically, I'm all in. Uh, well done quest line, great visual effects, great story um, to launch us into uh, the next expansion to come. And that is our Lotra Quest highlight for this week. Which leaves us to Halifurian. Closing, it's time for Blessed Relief. That brings us to the end of the 35th episode of Light, 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 Load the Beacons, Loop the Beacons, Light Those Beacons. I would love to hear your plaudits, feedback, rants, diatribes, and most of all, your constructive critique, especially on my interpretations of LTB. You can contact me at bragsonofbalan at gmail.com. That's brag with two A's. The second A stands for Amazing. On Facebook or Twitter at Bragsonofbalan, my website at lightthebeacons.com, where you can post your comments directly on the podcast. Love to hear from the viewers out there when you do. Hey, we're not going there this episode. We're just trying to hold it together. I kindly request you to take time to create an iTunes review. Perchance you're so inclined, I would very much appreciate it. would especially love to hear your comments about the quality, sound quality in this podcast versus previous episodes. If your comments incite me to forego my dwarven apathy, I'll try to include them in the podcast or at least respond in some way. So I hope you laughed either at or with me. I hope you might have learned at least a little something you didn't know before, or perhaps looked at the game with a slightly different perspective. And most of all, I hope you enjoy your week in Middle-earth. This is Bragg Santa Balance signing off. Baruch Kazad. And remember, the next time you have hard drive failure, make sure your laptop is not left out where your evil underling can get his oily little palms on it. And don't forget to like those beacons. So long, guys. Have a good one. Hello? Is Denethor there? Do you have Prince Boromir in a can? Well, you better let him out before he blows the horn of Gondor. <laughs> Hello, Stuart. Stuart Denethor, please. Is your beacon running? Well, you better go and catch it before it gets away. <coughs>